0: Um, no, now we're actually starting. Okay. Starting now. Starting. We're starting it now. You starting now. Okay. We are going. We're going to uh, start now. Now. All right. Now. We are. We have begun. Um, Glad that
1: we're starting now.
0: Mm hmm. We are beginning the episode. All right. Wait, uh, hit the ding. There we go. All right. And we are. Wait, hold on. Now we are rolling just now.
1: Perfect, because I'm ready to
0: go now. All right, I gotta get a glass of water. Sorry, that's the last time we'll ever do anything like that. That was we couldn't think of something to say. And so it was we just so bad. That was not, I don't I don't know if I
1: I don't feel I don't good about that.
0: Him. I don't love that.
1: Michael Che wrote us
0: that bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't know who that is. Know a lot of people dislike him. I don't really know who he is either. How come there isn't a Saturday White Live?
2: <laughs> we can't use this! <laughs> we can do use it. that! We can use it! What's wrong with that?
0: <laughs> What's wrong with that? It's a, it's just a play on the famous American saying, why isn't there a white history month? Why can't I say, I understand that recently in a lot of intros, I have been saying stuff like that, that is a due to mental illness, not because of any held beliefs. You I think
1: have. I'm going to cut you off, but I'm not going to cut you off. I want you to keep going.
0: How come they don't let white guys?
1: Keep no, it's, <laughs> it's just stop. Hello everyone. What are we doing? Oh, hello. Welcome. It's true, Anon. <laughs> What's your name? Oh, uh,
0: good question. My name is Liz. I am White Liz, and we are joined by Young Chomsky, our producer. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm Brace Belden, and mm. uh, I'm not telling you what I am. God, uh, the podcast is true, Anon. Yes, we did clear that up, Liz. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Brace, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Ah.
0: Going to white Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I, 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 Thanksgiving is my all time. I'm not a big holidays guy. Well, that's not true. What? I, that's I, not I, true. You're lying. I, I yeah. Okay. This is well, about I'm, your image. Three quarters of this show is me lying. No, I actually I hate Thanksgiving. I hated Thanksgiving he, my whole life because one time. Well, this is my whole life. This is when I was like 12. I ate turkey on Thanksgiving. This has never happened before or since. But my face literally swelled into twice <laughs> as large as it ever. It was a whole thing. No, Yo, you
1: got it, Turkey face.
0: I got Turkey face. Yeah. It was, it was, it was incredible. And like, it didn't hurt. Many well, It kind of cases. It, fuck, it was fucked up. I, and I feel like I proceeded, you know how women's lips are all like this now? Like it's like, they put the mm. thing in them and like, yeah, yeah. They're, they're bigger. Inflatos. inflatos. I got inflatos, but unfortunately I, it was the devil's bargain. The rest of my face was inflated as well. Hmm. Also, I don't like gravy. Wait, did that did that
1: scar you from turkey? Is that what you're saying?
2: But you like Christmas. Turkey.
0: You're very jolly. Who loves? That's okay, sweetheart. That's enough of that. (laughs) Jolly, jolly. That's not me.
1: I'm in the holiday spirit. But apparently, Uh, now is illegal. By the way, the government is starting starting up the war on Christmas again. I can feel Uh, it. All these
0: fucking motherfuckers. You know that Gavin Newsom was like spotted at like a party at French Laundry. Of course. Also, that's
1: so dated. French Laundry. What is it? Two thousand
0: ten. Yeah, we use Chinese laundries now. Oh my god. Uh, It's like a real fancy restaurant, right up north.
1: Yeah, it's like Michelin star, famous, very famous in Napa.
0: And so if you live in California, he's like, uh, I will uh, kill you if you go, if you even wish someone Merry Christmas, but I'm going to go hang out with like the Getty's <laughs> at French Laundry. And here's the thing about Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom is addicted to doing cocaine and cheating on his wife. Mm. And so those are two great ways to spread COVID is to share a, a in fact, he's a, in the government, so probably a thousand dollar bill and also a little bit of poontang action. That's, also- that's a super spreader.
1: Who names their wine company Plump Jack? Pardon me? That's the name of his (laughs) wine company before he went into politics. Plump Jack.
0: Plump Jack.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Talk about a jolly sounding name.
0: I'll tell you what. That does not
1: sound like a, that's not very winery-esque. It sounds like. That's that's a little
0: more Folsom Street rather than Napa Valley, if you know.
1: Yeah. Or like a snowman. Snowman's wine, also Snowman's kind of falls wine. In the street. <laughs> the snowman's wine.
0: Well, sweetheart, what are we what are, why are we why are we gathered here today?
1: Well, no, I brought that up because that was going to be my transition into what we were talking about.
0: Okay, well, I'm sorry I interrupted you. That's be, okay.
1: Uh, I don't know if it was rude. a good transition, but I'm going to keep going with it, which is that it's all in the news now that no one is everyone no one's supposed to even think about spending Thanksgiving with anyone mm-hmm. they love. In fact, not only are you not even supposed to think about it, it's actually discussed. The The idea of Thanksgiving is bad.
0: <laughs>
2: I
1: agree.
0: <laughs> no, it's the worst no, holiday.
1: No, no, no. I don't even think it's that's, like, what any of it is about, actually, is about, like, what Thanksgiving is. But there seems to be, like, a lot of people piling on. I understand why. And, like, I'm not going anywhere for Thanksgiving. I don't even know if I'm going anywhere for Christmas. It's, like, up in the air. But it's, like... Yeah, no, I totally get why, you know, they're discouraging or trying to, I would rather say you'd want to encourage people to stay home or in small groups so as Mm -hmm. to not create festive super spreader events. Um, But (laughs) that's not what I'm seeing at all for people. What I'm seeing is like crazy shaming for even like the idea of thinking about wanting to see like your grandma and like share a meal. (laughs) Yeah, it's insane.
0: Well, one thing I saw was a, uh, and this was on this was on the internet was a uh, a woman saying that uh, this will be the greatest instance of and the best recorded instance of genocide in human history. Mm. And
1: yeah, I need a fact all, check. On all that. I have
0: to say to that: <laughs> Well, here is the thing. If Democrats really cared about that, they should bomb the rail lines going into your grandma's village. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, have you ever noticed? Now, have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that it's all grandparents that control the narrative around the the twenty twenty two Thanksgiving Super Holocaust?
1: You've 40... noticed that, yeah.
0: This huh? is terrible. Uh, this grandparent, is... grandparent media telling you what to believe. There's no way that that many grandparents could have died in twenty twenty.
1: All right, this is bad. <laughs> this is. <laughs> This is not good. Let's actually, okay, so my transition didn't work, but we are actually talking about, I'm really excited about what we're talking about today because uh, for the first time in a long time, surprisingly, I get to put my shiny, fabulous little tinfoil hat on Mm -hmm. and somehow magically, Brace, you also have one on
0: yes well no this is like actually it's silver but it's i've been doing a colloidal kind of cleanse lately (laughs) young chomsky got me turned on to it you know how he's like silver and he's been like we just thought that was like a a, a steroid thing but it turns out well he's also got me on steroids but i'm doing this colloidal cleanse and i feel fantastic (laughs) no but we both got it's it's
1: awesome because i've been wanting to do an episode about this for a long time and i was bugging brace about it last week and uh through your researching of this topic. You found a, I would say a tinfoil cowboy hat that fits your fine little head. Just perfect.
0: That's right. And a pair of six guns pointed right at Bill (laughs) Gates.
1: So we are talking about, um, what some of you may have heard of, although I'm going to think that most people listening to this haven't, uh, explicitly heard, but it's called the great Great reset. Oh, sounds Um, wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) And there's a couple things there. People may have heard of it. um, If they follow conspiracy theories, they may have heard it um, referred to. Some people that uh, follow Q stuff may have may have kind of like vaguely heard heard it in relation to Bill Gates and some other kind of figures that we're going to get into. Or uh-huh. if you uh, are big on the TED Talk circuit, <laughs> you also may have heard it because um, it, it turns out that the Great Reset isn't just a conspiracy theory, but also a very real thing. And we want to... It's an
0: actual literal theory by a guy who came up with it and like wrote a book about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got
1: to talk about it because um, it's happening, guys.
0: By a German, by the way. I just want to be clear here uh, that... Uh... Still don't trust you guys. <laughs> yeah, well... I mean, this guy was born... In, I'm just saying, this guy was born in 1938. Like, it was... World War II hadn't even started yet. And I'm like, I'm not letting this guy set the tone for the future. No, no that's Well, I don't know what part of 1938 he was born in. It's <laughs> I, okay. But it's it technically only started with the invasion of France. There was no countries before that. Um, Wait. <laughs> <laughs> anyways terrible. Um, I'm just kidding.
1: Okay, so, the Great Reset. Brace, you mentioned German. Can you break this down for me?
0: So, Klaus Schwab is the guy who kind of came up with this. That's just how they pronounce it. I'm just, just, that's how he says it. Uh, And he is um, like so many of my fucking enemies. And I want to be clear. If you are listening to this show and you are are of Teutonic descent, you're one of the good ones but there are a lot of bad ones in history and klaus i believe is uh is no different he is the founder of the world economic forum you know how every year you Oof. see like pictures of decadent like uh, uh, what do people call them? elites in davos but really you see the cool pictures of like the snipers who kind of look like stormtroopers staying on top of like those are fantastic photos amazing photos i mean I, if yeah. you look at security at davos it's 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 incredible yeah, uh, but it is the brainchild of 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 uh, of this man Klaus Schwab. He wrote a book about it, and he's been sort of the the uh, well, what would the American or the English word for it be? I believe the English translation of the word would be leader of uh, of of the World Economic Forum uh, since its inception in the early seventies, and he's kind of got this idea of of a great reset, and 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 that's sort of in tune with this other idea of the fourth industrial revolution. Um, and, and I think that most people's sort of introduction to this would have been a short YouTube video that was, or a video that was posted on several different points of social media by the world economic forum itself. It is now taken down from basically everywhere. I other. noticed that. Why did yes. that
1: happen? I, well, the, well, my tinfoil hat has, you know, it's spinning yeah. its little spins.
0: I, I mean, the thing is, is people put up videos in the hopes I assume that people will watch them. But mm. apparently too many people watched this video and uh, had some questions about some of the <laughs> core premises. <laughs> yeah, I wish it.
1: we could play it right now, but actually there's no audio.
0: No. <laughs> it's
1: Whoa. just like a series of statements, but we should read through it because it's it's pretty amazing.
0: So it was entitled Eight Predictions for 2030, and we can sort of trade off on these. Uh So the first prediction for 2030 is uh, one I took a little bit of issue with, especially because of the be happy part, but uh, it it says you'll own nothing and be happy, which was superimposed over a picture of a smiling face, the guy with a five o'clock shadow, I think not watching. And then it goes on to say, whatever you want, you'll rent and it'll be delivered by drone. And then there's a picture or rather a video of a drone delivering a package.
1: Yeah. Um, well, clearly they're just uh, interested in abolishing private property.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's actually <laughs> a, a form of super communism. But, I mean, yeah. I, what, what this seems to refer to me or to, to uh, bring to mind for me is like the i guess extension of the sharing economy that uh mm-hmm. that they talk about so much these same people boost which is basically like you know it's like a car rental place like and you know whatever you know don't own a car you rent one for the day but like you know they extend that now to washing machines they extend that to uh you know, basically any appliance that you can have in your home it will be mm-hmm. like a, a rental version uh, yeah. and that seems to be sort of what they envision here and there's another essay on the world economic forum site where where a woman describes the future that she believes is coming in somewhat positive tones and it's like everything that she has is like if she wants to make pasta that night she rents a pasta thing and like all of these things get delivered um and you actually don't own anything i don't think that anyone's going to be happy in 2030 that is, that is sort
1: of my <laughs> well we'll get into exactly why um They would be interested in doing that, but I'll just throw it out as a little like little teaser: is that um, it's difficult to create complex financial products based on objects that other people own.
0: (laughs) Yes, say that. (laughs) Well, the thing is, too, is like okay, I might not own things, but like you know, for instance, this washing machine rental uh, company that I that I have, uh, they own it. So like, <laughs> it's it's really just telling you won't own something, the company will. Hmm.
1: So moving on, it says then, the U.S. won't be the world's leading superpower. A handful of countries will dominate. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. A lot of people yeah. predict that as well, although they seem to think that China will take it. I'm, if they're saying a handful of countries, it sounds like they're looking towards some sort of multipolar Euro- European uh, I don't know. Oh,
0: you're saying like a European super state plus China plus America?
1: Hmm, perhaps, perhaps, in a multipolar world.
0: I don't know about 2030 for that. Mm. okay. It says, you won't die waiting for an or- organ donor. We won't transplant organs. We'll print new ones instead. Mm. Uh, fine, I gotta know.
1: <laughs> You'll eat much less meat, an occasional treat, not a staple, for the good of our environment and our health. okay.
0: I think the key here is that you'll eat much less meat, not the people who are making this video. Mm. <laughs> a billion people will be displaced by climate change in 10 years. Wow. We'll have to do a better job at welcoming and integrating refugees with a shot of refugees, like refugees welcome sign there. Mm. Um, that's a lot of people, I guess. In 10
1: yeah. Years. <laughs> Polluters will have to pay to admit carbon dioxide. Pay. I'd like to know who they're paying. There will be a global price on carbon. This will, make, this will help make fossil fuels history.
0: You could be preparing to go to Mars. Scientists will have worked out how to keep you healthy in space. The start of a journey to find alien life? Well here, I, that, that, that solves all of our climate change problems. <laughs> That's perfect for Falk. This is very
1: similar actually to mm-hmm. fully automated luxury communism because yeah, we'll be preparing to go to Mars to mine Mars with Elon Musk or whatever.
0: Very excited for it.
1: Western values will have been tested to the breaking point. Checks and balances that underpin our democracies must not be forgotten. I think Welbeck wrote that point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this seems like uh, obviously uh, meant for a European audience. Um, hmm. but, uh, yes. but I think this video freaked a lot of people out just because of like sort of the, the commanding uh, way that it describes all the things that are happening. And I think you'll own nothing and be happy is probably the most jarring thing that people are told because it seems like such an oxymoron. Like, mm. I, I think a lot of the unhappiness that a lot of people feel, uh, I, I mean, is not directly because they don't own things because most people, you know, I think are in most of our listeners age do not own much in the general sense of things. Certainly they usually don't own property. Um, And, and this is sort of being like, well, all the way things are going now, it's like, it's, it's actually going to get even worse. Mm.
1: So let's get into it on what exactly this is. So you mentioned Klaus Schwab that this is a, this is a big project that he's spearheading. And when we say it's a big project, I mean, it's like, this is a massive, massive project. This is a real Mm. thing. Um, And it's a program that they call the great reset. And it's basically, A massively funded, ambitious, internationally coordinated project that is uh, being led by some of the biggest multinational corporations and financial players in the world and being kind of carried out and ushered in. And the public is being basically uh, buttered up for it by cooperating state bodies, NGOs and their affiliated PR and media agencies. And we'll kind of get into that. And like what it is, is in my opinion, and we can kind of get into what they they say it is versus what we kind of think it is. But it's like kind of a combo of like early 20th century science fiction. There's a big um, emphasis on transhumanism. Mm-hmm. As well as space colonization, uh, but transhumanism—we've talked about a bit on the podcast um, in relation to Epstein and some of his ventures.
0: Oh, he would have been a great reset guy, a hundred percent.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely huge. He probably mm-hmm.
0: was. Yeah, I guess I guess the time the timeline does kind of line up.
1: <laughs> so imagine, like, um, yeah. Like transhumanism, like a uh, fascination with like early twentieth century uh, science fiction, with the obsessiveness of like a desperate accountant in the throes of a gambling addiction.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, th- absolutely. And, and like when 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 Liz says is like that that basically you know the largest corporations and sort of international bodies are all in on this, like that is true. I mean. If you listen to – I have listened to almost every episode of the World Economic Forum's Great Reset podcast, including the hour-long episodes they have instead of the usual 17 to 20-minute ones. And, I mean, I heard everyone from Prince Charles to the leaders of the UN and the IMF, uh, Mark Benioff, uh, and even, I believe, Grover. In fact, let's get him on now.
2: Hello, everybody. It is I, your cute and adorable pal, Grover, with a message for listeners of the great – Reset. Well, you are in luck because I know a thing or two about resetting. Mm-hmm. I reset my alarm clock every morning. <laughs> but you are talking about resetting the entire world. Now that does a very big job. Well, my friend Ms. Sherry Weston and I are here to help. On Sesame Street, we know that it is very important for children to learn and play every day and because playtime is so important we have been thinking of ways to help children all over the world learn and play at home at first it was hard when nobody could go to school and i could not visit my friends like elmo or well even oscar the grouch then we learned to have video playtime which was a lot of fun and made us feel better now, I know you will want to hear all about it, and so I will now let Miss Sherry be the one to tell you. Okay, bye-bye, everybody. So
1: you, when you dropped that, I thought it was going to be Grover Norquist, but of course mm. he, wouldn't be, he wouldn't be in on this.
0: No, no, he actually defected to the People's Republic of China, who, by the way, are also <laughs> in on this, so.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, so basically on the surface, they call it, like you said, the Fourth Industrial Revolution, um, and they kind of use automation and AI and 5g all things that we've spent a lot of time talking about uh, as a kind of, as the kind of like new um, the new revolution that is going to completely change the world. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say that at least, you know, this is my reading is that underneath all of that is the fact that I actually capital profits have been falling for a very long time. And in fact, like the entire world, including the United States was about to go into recession prior to COVID, which
0: we talked about this. We had Alexander Skaggs on and we had a whole episode about this and then bam, COVID hit
1: February, January. Yes. (laughs) I should go back and listen to that. Um, yeah, but so that this, you know, growth is stagnant and profits are falling and the kind of, um, I'd say Western led infinite expansion model of, of capitalism is not returning the profits that um, the people at the top need it to. Mm-hmm. And so basically kind of what's underneath this idea is like kind of a, the construction of an absolute, like a new bubble I would say.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's that. And it's also like they can, not only can these people see the which way the wind is blowing, they're the people who sort of control the which way the wind is blowing and And I think this is like the way I think of the great reset and the way I kind of think of all of this is just like a new ideological push to sort of like bring together all of the disparate or not even disparate all of the the connected uh strands that like you know technological political social uh economic uh environmental uh, policies that are that are sort of like being implemented on purpose and then sort of being implemented because of new technologies as well. Uh, it, all together into kind of one thing. and that thing is the great reason. It's another word for the future, I guess. is uh baby tell me what is the future looking like so what
1: the great reset does, and you know this is a, an actual plan but basically it, what it's attempting to do is fully restructure the world's economy mm-hmm. and uh i would say also geopolitical uh relations based on like two ideas that um that they can and will make a <laughs> sounds crazy but this is true this is the idea that there is a way to and a need to make a um basically a total database of every element of nature and every life form that they Mm. would put as part of a global inventory
2: the codex
1: yeah (laughs) um i guess theoretically that's supposed to be managed by kind of um benevolent state actors Although that
0: that that I'll say that is there <laughs> is is we never get a clear idea from any of this is to exactly who will be managing all this. Mm. I I think Schwab sort of imagines himself as like the great liberal internationalist where like mm-hmm. he brings everyone together in the World Economic Forum and we sort of hash things out there and it's sort of an alt UN although the UN itself is is, is of course uh, you know dick deep in all this stuff. Um, and, and and it it, it there is a there is a sort of implicit um like thread throughout this that 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 all of these things will be managed by like by groups like the IMF like the World Economic Forum mm. like the UN um, World Bank and yes exactly like the World Bank and uh, and I mean I I it, that sounds most like realistic option to me I believe that like you know all the the incestual. Nature of all of these products basically lead to all these people being in the same rooms all the time, anyways.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So th- that's what they imagine is like basically like a shared database of every single thing on Earth that's accounted for, and I mean like every single thing, every piece of nature, every piece of like every human, every every single thing is accounted for like obsessively in a database, and that then that inventory is basically all registered, readable by a scanner, easily ID'd and managed by AI as a way of, you know, they say cutting costs, increasing profits, improving efficiency um, in people's lives, interactions, production, uh, our relations to the environment, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But, as I kind of mentioned before about the rent to own thing, that was a little spoiler because what would, I mean, if we have anyone listening who out there who likes the stock market or knows anything about complex financial products, uh, creating an entire database um, that where you like have an entirely new inventory of the entire world's resources, literally the entire world's resources, you could create, entirely new asset classes and new, um, speculative financial instruments that to be like infinitely traded and, um, securitized, uh, ad infinitum. And like, I want to pause there because like, this is like, what is underlying this entire thing (laughs) that like capital profits are down that we are the economy is stagnant that there we're we're there's you know there isn't infinite growth and this is kind of a shortcut to creating more and more new financial products um, exactly
0: like if if you make nature into like just a a actual like literal asset like like mm-hmm. like they're trying to do here I mean I I don't really have the vocabulary for this kind of stuff because. You know, all this, as listeners will know, most of this stuff is pretty confusing to me when we start talking about, like, assets and stocks and all this shit. But, like, I sort of – I read a lot of Corey Morningstar's work on on, on wrong mm. Kind of Green. Uh, it's uh, She's done really good work around this. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, the, the way I sort of am be- beginning to understand it is that it basically, like, makes nature into, like, a new kind of, like, product, like a literal actual product.
1: Mm. Yeah. And not just nature, like humans, which we're mm. going to get into. Like, I mean, it is every single, like every single living thing, um, would belong to a database that could then become basically, I mean, you know, you could say asset, you can say, you know, uh, speculative, whatever, but basically bet on in different, in different forms, right. Then a way for people to continue extracting fictitious capital, because that's what it is.
0: Does not sound like the kind of future I want to be living in.
1: Well, no, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think a lot of people are going to want to, I mean, all that sounds fine. And until you realize like what it entails and what like your role in it is. Right. Because in order to do that, the entire project basically hinges on us, like completely reworking our understanding of how like we relate with the world. Right. Uh Um, the, uh, the biggest example there would be with privacy. So if there's going to be a huge database of every single living person and every single living thing, one can imagine you might run into some privacy issues there.
0: <laughs> well, we've sort of already run into that in, in kind of what I view as like a pilot program for this. So I think a pretty good example of, of the genesis of this kind of stuff. Uh, I don't think this is going to be the end result. I think this is sort of going to be looked back on as like a, 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 a germination of the ideas that they have is the, uh, Adhar project in India. And Adhar is uh, Hindi for foundation, but it is a, uh, a new biometric ID system in India, uh, started by a guy named Nandan, uh, Nilakani and, uh, this guy is a this guy's a real trip, and we don't. I don't think we have enough time to really go into him. But he's a former, or uh, you know, if you really want to get weird about it, maybe current Fabian socialist uh, who is in charge of a company called Infosys. And there's an interview with John Stewart uh, out there in like 2008, where he calls him the Bill Gates of India. And brother, you don't know how right you were. Um, <laughs> so. India, like I mean, if you if you listen to our uh, our, our episode on the uh, the Adavisi, uh you know you know that India has like a lot of people who sort of fall under the uh, radar, essentially who aren't really like they don't have ID, they don't have like they aren't really like uh, I guess urban members of society there with you know an ID card or let alone a passport or anything like that. And so uh, basically, this guy Nandan had this idea that he would take everybody's fingerprints, their uh, iris scans, and, uh, and as much other biometric data as they could. He would, I mean, there's some, really, there's some really wild pictures out there of like tribal people putting these devices on their faces. And that gives you a 12 number, uh, randomized 12 number, basically pin. Uh, it doesn't grant citizenship. It's just used for identifying residents. Uh, and he started in about 2009. He left Infosys to form this, what was called the Unique Identity Authority of India, which is actually an actual government agency staffed pretty much entirely by Google and Intel engineers. Uh, And he runs it like a startup. Uh, The New Yorker called it a public scheme, a genial software billionaire who intends to create a national biometric database 10 times larger than the world's largest existing biometric database, which is the US's uh, Department of Homeland Security's visit database, the logo is a red fingerprint and what they do is an NGO makes an appointment for you. You go to some guy with a fingerprint scanner and and they scan you, they take your iris scans and there you are. You're in and they send you a number. It's supposed to work like that. It often does not. It can take years to get them. Um but the uh <laughs> this is this is the thing. Um here like the, the whole idea behind this would that it would remind citizens of their rights, entitlements, and duties and would oblige the states to improve services. It would boost the national economy by allowing hundreds of millions of Indians without bank accounts to open one and it would cut government losses from corruption. That's again for the New Yorker. Uh unfortunately, there are basically no laws around privacy in India. So every corporation that wanted to got access to this database. Oh and my god. Exactly, and so it, it it went from being a thing where like okay, you got this number and you could open a bank account and you could you know you could essentially it was so that you to, to uh, rationalize or like the system of, of giving out government assistance, but what actually became is every two bit motherfucker who sold gasoline or who sold cell phones or who sold SIM cards had access to the hoc database in order to check if you had it, and all these people started losing their government assistance. It a a, a like slew of services in 2016 added the tag, ADHAR now mandatory. And now everything from, like I said, getting a SIM card, getting gasoline, crop insurance, vehicle registration, post office deposits, food distribution, ADHAR became necessary to get any of these things. And it went from, become, went from a government ID for government services to something that is basically now a tool of the market. Hmm. Guess who it's backed by? <laughs> oh
1: no, here we go.
0: Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation. And this is a big bugbear of Bill Gates's. He's really into this biometric thing. In fact, mm. he wants to export the Adhar system to other countries as well. Um, and, and, and you know, it's not like this is just some, like, third world kind of thing where they're doing without, you know, they could never do that here. I mean, the U.S. is a giant biometric database, too. And, and you know, we see with the start of Real IDs, this is going to happen everywhere, I think. Mm. And I think this is just another part, I guess, of this Great Reset thing, Where it's like, you are going to be monitored and you are going to be picked over and poured over like never before. And it'll sort of all be under the guise, you know, if this is any example of social justice.
1: Yeah. I think what's interesting about the privacy thing is is that this has kind of been the attitude from a lot of people since the Snowden, even the Snowden Mm revelations, which was like, oh, well, who cares? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I've noticed that a lot, and and particularly like right after, um, the Snowden leak or you know the Snowden documents came out about the NSA, um, and Five Eyes and everything. I you know I, I um and I I think it's Glenn Greenwald at the time who put out a really good argument against the kind of logic of well I'm not doing anything wrong so I don't have anything to worry about. Yeah. Um, but I don't have it in front of me, but I, 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 I remember that. I think he wrote that. Um, but like, you know, I, I think that we have already desensitized ourselves to the ideas of privacy. Right. Uh-huh. And like, um, even now with COVID, you know, I mean, it's easy to see how events like the pandemic can usher in new ideas into the kind of discourse and the kind of collective imaginary about our medical records, or, or is medical data actually something that should be private?
0: Shouldn't that mm-hmm. be
1: public knowledge? Isn't that more? Uh, isn't that good for the public safety?
0: Right? Yeah, for the common good.
1: Right, and so like you, you can kind of see this stuff, um, like you said, like kind of slowly or as it may be quickly dissipating into, into the culture. Um, And that is something that I think that people get wrong when they talk about this because reset is in the name. And so you kind of think that there's going to be like a switch, right? Mm -hmm. That there's just going to be like, Oh, now it's time and we're going to start on a new path. But it's like, no, because one of the biggest things about this and you know, I mean, it's right there in, fucking Klaus Schwab's books. He's got like a couple. I read one in particular that he wrote after, or like in July, which is called like COVID and the great reset. This guy can't stop talking about the great reset. He loves Um, the
0: great reset.
1: That's the only thing he talks about. Um, But like a key part of this project is (laughs) like, like it's like everyone changing their relationship with the world and the way that they think Mm -hmm. of themselves and what, they you know have a right over what other people have a right over and even the like conception of themselves as humans <laughs> I think or as social creatures even like when we say there's gonna I I I think I feel like I I, I don't want to fuck up and like not explain this properly which I think I'm in danger of doing but like when we say there's gonna be a big database that accounts for every single thing like I think that might not sound like a terrible thing.
0: You know what I mean? Or well, like, I what's the problem I think some people can think that? of it as like rational. You know what I mean? Like, right. well, the, the earth has finite resources. I mean, why shouldn't we catalog everything so we can better ration?
1: But the fact is, is that it will every single thing and every single element then of the world will be micromanaged and monitored. And mm-hmm. like that is you cannot divorce that from like the reason why they're cataloging all of this stuff right and suddenly every piece of nature including you and me and like the little lizard and the big redwood tree and mm-hmm. the big black bear and a koala and um a turkey are all like no longer living creatures that are all part of a living ecosystem and a and a and a collective society that we collectively build and relate to with each other Um, and you know, and each effect, uh, it's organic. Yeah. It's no longer that like now every single thing is actually simply a piece of data or a host or a form of capital, including mm -hmm. you and me. And like, this is taking the concept of human capital so much further than I think even like neoliberals imagined.
0: I think this is sort of the the end of the line. I, you called it like the terminus. I think of neoliberalism, mm. and like it really is sort of like it. You can't go further than this. I mean, this and this. I believe, by the way, will go pretty far. Like, don't don't get me wrong here. I I always, you know, when people ever talk about late capitalism, whatever, like that, I, that always seemed a little, uh, say, optimistic to me. But like, I think we this with the great reset. Like, I mean, I, these guys are right. You know, we are entering. I don't know if I would call it the fourth industrial revolution, but we are entering the new dark ages. You know what I mean? Like we are, we are entering a, a a new era and we're not there yet. Like what what Liz is saying is this stuff diffuses slowly. And, and, and I totally agree with that. I think like there is sort of this desire to see like, okay, well, December 23rd in 2024, the new world order will take over and everything will be different. (laughs) But it's like, no brother, like you will not even notice most of this shit happening. It'll just happen. And it'll happen in this decentralized way, even though it will appear decentralized. And, like, you know, all of a sudden, your life will totally be different. I mean, look how much COVID has sort of launched so much of that forward. I mean, if you told me a year ago that I would be fucking talking to people on Zoom more than, you know, once a week. I'd tell you, you're out of your fucking mind. I don't, citizens arrest you and throw you in citizens' prison and now it's like you know these things are you know we, we adapt quickly and we acclimate quickly to these things and it's like th- these companies are more than happy to uh, to help us along that path and so it's like their their whole vision of the future is a very fucking bleak one because not only are you a piece of data you're also as they say an entrepreneur and what does an entrepreneur do an entrepreneur doesn't necessarily work a job an entrepreneur hustles and if you've seen all this propaganda on you know subway stations or in, or in ads that you see on the internet about hustling because that's what they want you to do they want you to become basically somebody who not only you 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 don't sell your labor you rent your labor to a million different companies and you do whatever they need you to do and you don't own anything and nobody else owns anything everyone just delivers everything to everybody else and it, it and it creates this large like. I mean, I don't even know what to call it, but, but it's, 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 it's sort of, you know, it's a mixture of feudalism and capitalism, much, much more, I think, blatant than what we've seen already.
1: Yeah. It's like a neo, neo tech feudalism. I mean, it really is crazy. It's cyberpunk future.
0: Yeah. It's like the
1: most cyberpunk. I don't know how they got it all right,
2: Yeah, but it's true what
1: you say about the entrepreneur uh, stuff. I mean, that's like, um, Wendy Brown kind of writes about that, where she talks about, um, you know, I, I think she writes very well about the kind of shift that happened, uh, people conceiving of, the, of themselves as human capital and what's that, mm-hmm. what that's done. Where like now we evaluate every one of our life choices on whether or not it will pay dividends or will mm-hmm. hurt our future, you know, possible value. Like we don't yeah. even, that's how we evaluate things. And we think of, you know, um, that's, it's even how social media is run, right? It's like every, you know, every single thing is a marketplace and we are all little bits of data and nothing else. Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. this is taking it to a kind of global, uh, yeah, terminal conclusion, it feels like.
0: Well, well, they talk a lot too in like Great Reset Podcasts about the need for companies to basically get ready to, to change a lot of different things, to add AI and how 5G will change everything. Mm. And something that always sticks with me is because they're pretty blase. Well, I mean, they act like they're not, but, but in reality, they're pretty blase about the fact that these like technological, I guess, quote unquote, advances will put millions, uh, if not eventually billions of people out of work. And there is no alternative for those people. Right. Like mm-hmm. if if once this once this once this ball gets rolling, like once the train leaves this fucking station, like there's no like other good job you can get out there if you're fired from your office job. Because, I mean, they're talking about in these Great Reset podcasts, lawyers, doctors, all these things will be automated and they won't be a need for human beings there as uh, at least. A, a greatly reduced need for human beings there of course i don't think this will happen immediately i think a lot of these people have a vested interest in sort of inflating how far along this technology is but this technology is coming and it's like what are what is everyone supposed to do and and i think that the answer is probably going to be some technocratic solution like ubi and and carefully managed like basically cons- handouts so that people can consume a certain amount of, amount of things to keep the economy going and and it, and it it really like you know, we are, we are sort of heading towards a dismal fucking place with this stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that like, uh, I mean, nowhere in any of these conversations, like, I guess what I'm saying, you know, when we say that it, this takes um, a lot of like basically social engineering and uh, what, you know, okay. I hate saying it. Manufacturing of consent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it does. And when when people hear people believe like oh ai is just going to happen and then that we're just going to automate some jobs and oops that's you know that's what happens like as if these aren't political choices like yeah no one's like you could just demand the state create new and better jobs now of course we know that uh people are just displaced not that uh like jobs just disappear because of technological advancement right Mm -hmm. but the But instead of demanding that, people are already so conditioned to accept it that they're like, people say, oh, this is going to be a good thing. This will be great. And they're already consenting to having their jobs taken away from them. And it won't be taken away from them. It'll just be Uberized.
0: Yes, yeah. And, and you'll, 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 I mean, you will be rented out, you know, an hour at a fucking time. And that's, that's what, that's what, I mean, you already sell your labor an hour at a time, but you know what I mean? It's the, what, what, what drives me crazy about this is like, who wants AI? Who wants automation? Who wants any of these things? I don't know anybody that does. None of my friends want it. Nobody in my extended circle of people I know seems to be clamoring for this kind of stuff. This technology only benefits a very, very, very in fantastically small number of people in the world. And it benefits them immeasurably. And all it does is it immiserates millions, as I said, if not billions of other people. And it's crazy that there's almost no real opposition to any of this stuff, even like your so-called left-wing politicians, or anything like this. Nobody's really talking about how this is going to fucking decimate everybody's lives. It's no, it's, I mean, the, the Great Reset is essentially rolling on to the future with absolutely no real, actual, uh, you know, opposition. Well,
1: that's again, they've done a really good job of diffusing it. Like, it's not a coincidence that Joe Biden's slogan is build back better, which, by the way, is also a slogan of the Great Reset.
0: Mm-hmm. Also a slogan of a, uh, an aid campaign in Haiti by Bill Clinton in, uh, during his presidency. And one by Boris Johnson. Mm-hmm. Also, I believe a Canadian one as well. I mean, it's mm-hmm. all appearing in the air at the same time. And you know, you could say, brother, you could get out there and you could say, okay, maybe this is the a causal connect- connecting principle at work. Maybe these people are doing dark magic, you know, and no. I, I would not disagree with you. But I think this is all in the air for a reason.
1: So when you say, I just want to drive this point home because I feel like I've been just flip-flopping, flopping around like a fish all over the place, not the most eloquent day for me. Um, but when you say it's only going to benefit like a small population of the world, like I want people to imagine, like again, you and your family and your friends and your dogs and the your backyard and everything is now going to be a piece of data that this very small group is going to use as um, the the kind of as like a new new like fun game for them to bet on and create like new a new financial market, new stock options, mm-hmm. new assets, new crazy little derivative products that they can on your lives. Like that's what this game is. And that's what's happening.
0: Yeah. Like, and, and again, like I, I, and I like we said a few times in this episode, like that might not seem like a big deal, but like, that will be a big deal. And it won't maybe dawn on you all at once. Like when you see like, oh my God, my life has totally changed. But like, imagine, you know, we hear a lot of talk about, you know, people, people, in, you know, in sort of our generation, the millennial people, but like how different their lives are at their age uh, than their parents were at the same age. And it's like, brother, you can <laughs> you don't even know what's coming, you know, like there things are going to look so fucking different. And, and, and I, I want to be like all doom and gloom here, but it's like, you know, there we need to recognize what's going on in order to actually like really get behind, you know, maybe doing something about it. Because these people, I mean, they have momentum and they have every single institution basically in the world back in them. I mean, you are going to see smart cities. You're going to see digital currency. You are going to see cameras at every street corner and they are going to be sold to you. All of these tools of control are not going to be sold to you as tools of control. They're going to be sold to you as tools of protection for you as a public good, as social justice, as progress.
1: Absolutely. In fact, some of the biggest cheerleaders I would say are coming from the progressive, progressive wing of politics
0: well, the thing that I always, I always ask when when people say they're, they're progressive, they support progressive policies. You always got to ask, progressing towards what, right? Progressing towards fucking what? And 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 I don't think they really have an answer because this seems to be what we're progressing towards. And anybody who doesn't stand against this stands for it, and it just drive about drives me fucking insane.
1: so much more to get into with this um, because there are a lot of other angles to explain. You mentioned digital currency, and I really want to get into that because get ready, people, it's happening. Digital dollar, Fed coin coming Mm -hmm. to your e-wallet.
0: You got to spend it before it expires.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That might happen. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, you've got digital currency. We got it. We're going to have to talk about Bill Gates a little bit more.
0: Oh, yeah. And I even got more on Schwab. I didn't even mention Schwab is a uh, frequent attendee of the Bilderberg Group. My God.
1: I Not know. That kind of me. Yeah, we got to talk about him. And we got to get into this idea that they're floating. And perhaps you've also heard from friend of the pod, Elizabeth Warren, um, during her failed campaign for president, uh, the concept of stakeholder capitalism and what that mm-hmm. means. So we're going to get into that in the next episode because it's just too much for one.
0: I'd like to introduce her to the concept of Gun Holder Belden. (laughs) That was terrible. (laughs) Sorry.
1: (laughs) One last thing I want to mention, though, is that, like, uh, for my fellow, our fellow tinfoil hat wearers out there, unfortunately like the great reset is now becoming like i think i mentioned i mentioned this on the episode we did with robbie about q um but it's like becoming the new dumping ground for like all conspiracy theories um where like everything is kind of getting folded into it and like i said i wouldn't be surprised if like q kind of morphs into this stuff and like you know this I think that that's like on purpose to like muddy the waters with something that's actually real. <laughs> you oh, know?
0: absolutely. I mean, we saw that with 5G too.
1: Absolutely. And by the way, we should say 5G is essential to this project. It will not work. You cannot literally map the world without 5G.
0: Well, that's, Um, that's something that really gets your fucking brain going about this because they need, they need basically no opposition to 5G in order to implement these, uh, let's say dastardly plans. mm -hmm. And it's like, what they've done is they've essentially nullified any opposition to it by being like, well, these people are cranks, you know, like these people are fucking lunatics. They say stuff that doesn't make any sense. Well, if you were them and you wanted to make that the case, then why? (laughs) Maybe that kind of works in your favor, you know?
1: Yeah, which is, I mean, that's what it is. It's everyone who opposes the idea of an entirely new global economic system where all of our lives are financial instruments for a very select few group of little bankers in, like, fucking London and Switzerland, Mm -hmm. uh, while we, like, toil away as, like, you know, I don't know (laughs) what, like.
0: At the bug food burger factory.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, in our pod world, uh, just like mulch, for, financial mulch for these people. Mm-hmm. Anyway.
0: Yeah. Well.
1: I don't want no part of it. Nothing a few it. hand
0: grenades to But, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's why we'll always say, true and on, anti-5G from the start, and we've never wavered.
0: No, absolutely not. And you know what, I'll tell you what, anti-great reset, too.
1: Oh yeah, no way. No thanks. Well, I
0: was wavering at the beginning. I was like, well, I like great things. I also tend to have to restart or like reset rather a lot of mm. electronic instruments I use when I use them because they don't work good and that usually fixes them. And so I was like the combination of the two, I mean, that is so attractive to me that I'm practically sweating. And then I, you know, I read what we'll go, what's going on here? I, mean, I don't think I like this baby.
1: Yeah, it's the not so great reset.
0: Uh-huh. Well, it's not very catchy. <laughs> Standing here in total opposition to the new world order, we are true and on. My name is Brace Belden. I'm Liz. We are joined by producer Young Chomsky,
1: and we will see you next time. Bye bye.